will not want to miss Saturday nights when Forever Bliss leads us in worship and just a good old time. Thank you. I'll give them another hand clap for being with us. We go to the rock. Let us pray as we begin. Loving God, we are thankful for another opportunity to be in your presence, in the presence of your people, and the presence of possibilities that are right in front of us. God, we ask you to put peace in our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and we ask you to help us to see miracles, the potential, and the blessings that are coming our way. In Jesus' name, and all the people say, amen. Well, good morning again, Resurrection MCC. It's the season of Easter still. Christ is risen, we say. Christ is risen indeed, that's right. And what now? Christ is risen. What now? What now? The resurrection happened. We say it another way. So what? What does that mean? I'm absolutely serious. What now? Every year we come to the same point of celebrating this Jesus who is out of the grave. And yet still we have lives that seem to be filled with tombs and cobwebs and fears. But that's okay. Because Jesus is still here. If you were here last week from the Gospel of John, you remember that the disciples were scared. They were scared because they thought the people who came after Jesus were going to come after them. They thought the people who arrested Jesus were going to arrest them. Jesus is not in the tomb. Where could he be? Nobody knows. Not fully understanding of what is going on, they go to a safe house and they lock themselves behind closed doors and they hope and they pray that no one gets in. But there is one who gets in. Jesus appears to all of them and he says, peace be with you, you who are worried, you who are concerned, peace be with you. And the story says, just as Reverend Vicky reminded us last week, with deep breaths as he encountered the Christ, there was this joyous sigh of relief. Oh, people of God, how wonderful it is to see Jesus again. Many of us know what that's like. Some of us had to take a little hiatus from church because people told us that Jesus was dead to us. And we said, forget religion, forget spirituality, forget it all. We locked ourselves and closed the doors. And somehow... Jesus still showed up. Thank goodness how wonderful it is, how wonderful it was for the disciples to see Jesus again. It is resurrection. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. We can carry on now, can't we? Jesus is back and all is well. What do we do now? And then we come to today's story. People who have experienced the resurrection, people who saw it with their own eyes, their own experiences, people who are supposed to be full of joy and good news and not fear. Resurrection people, the disciples, wouldn't you know it, they're behind locked, closed doors again. They're laying low again like we have to sometimes. They're looking over their shoulders like we have to sometimes. They're scared for their lives yet again. They're running away from the Roman authorities. They're trying to survive in a scary world yet again. And this week, it's a little different. With them is the one we call Thomas. Thomas, 
missed the party the previous week. He missed out on the risen Christ. And the others told him, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. Thomas, can you believe it? We have seen Jesus. Can you believe it? And Thomas says, nope. Thomas says, I can't and I will not believe it. Oh, the nerve. And he calls himself a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Here's one who is risking what he actually feels. Forget about what the other disciples think. He's going to be honest with what's inside of him. The point one from today's lesson, as resurrection people, we should not be afraid of vulnerability. People of God, we are a vulnerable people, and that is okay. Brene Brown says, to feel is to be vulnerable. It's about owning our feelings and being honest with where we are in life. A resurrected life does not mean that we are invincible. You know that. It means we aren't afraid to be vulnerable. It's about letting someone know how you really feel and what you need when you need it. And it's about being honest with your doubts, and not just your doubts, your hopes and your dreams. Thomas had enough vulnerability to say, my siblings, my fellow followers of Jesus, you say you've seen Jesus, but I don't know. I have my doubts. I've got my own issues. We all have our own issues. Amen. I need to see Jesus for myself or I cannot believe. He had some doubts. He had doubts like some of us have doubts. And yet... Just like today, every Sunday at Resurrection MCC, we open the table and we say it is really open. You do not have to be a member of this church or any church. No matter what you believe, no matter what you doubt, heretics are included. Thank goodness for an open communion table. You see, people of God, when we act like we know it all, and we act like we can't say, I do not know. You know, as a clergy person, it gets difficult sometimes to say, I don't know. When you have seminary degrees and you pay a lot for an education and you have multiple degrees, people expect you to know something. People don't want you to say, I don't know, Reverend Michael. And yet, we have to be vulnerable and say, I do not know. But even in our unknowingness, if you will, Christ is still with us. Thomas shows his pain. He's in grief, and he needs to see to believe. For centuries, poor Thomas, he's had a bad rap. They've called him Doubting Thomas. We have to give him some grace. I mean, let's say your friend was murdered. Let's say your mentor was murdered. Let's say after your family kicked you out and you had your chosen family, let's say he was murdered. How would you feel? The person who gave him life again, the person who saw something in him that no one else in society saw, the person who believed in him when he could not believe in himself, murdered, executed on a cross. Forgive him if you will. He's torn apart and he's hurting and he needs to experience Jesus by himself. And there is nothing wrong with that. However you feel, do you. However you feel, be you. That's a part of vulnerability. Doubts, but also your own sense of belonging people of God. Someone asked Renee Brown, what is the number one barrier to belonging? And Brene Brown says that the number one barrier to belonging is fitting in. 
fitting in. We all want to fit in, don't we? Sometimes we try to fit into certain situations. Well, let's face it, we just don't fit. The Reverend Bill Miller, from, he's in the Episcopal tradition, he talks about the whitey-tidy syndrome. This phenomena where some folks just have the same whitey-tidies over and over every year. We're the same pair to the point where they're no longer whitey or tidy. <laughs> they don't fit them anymore. And Brene Brown says fitting in is about assessing a certain situation and trying to adapt yourself to it. Fitting in is not about you being yourself. Belonging is about showing up and being seen for who you are, even if it is different than the others around you. You cannot belong, people of God, if you have to fit in. Belonging, resurrection people belong, and they aren't afraid to be vulnerable. A couple of months ago, there was a tragic situation at a fundraising event for a local LGBT organization. Now, you would think that it would be very inclusive and opening for all folks of different experiences and backgrounds. And yet, at this queer, quote-unquote, event, transgender people were discriminated against, not allowed to use the restroom of their choice. Beyond that forcibly removed from the restroom and escorted out. Do you know what it feels like to be forcibly remo removed from a restroom? Do you know what it feels like to be looked upon like you're less than human with disgust and anger, with ignorance, with intolerance, like you don't know who you are? And yet these women, trans-Latinas, they decided... They weren't going to let one act of discrimination stop them from being who God has called them to be. And for the second month in a row, they have met on our campus as a community partner for resourcing, for education. The last two months, we've had 40 to 45 trans-Latinas on our campus resourcing one another and empowering one another. Now, let's face it. Vulnerability is a risky thing. Is it not? It's a very risky thing, but for trans and gender non-conforming folks, it's risky every day of your life. Many of us do not know that because we would not dare, clergy, we would not dare transcend the boundaries that society has placed upon us for fear. Fear that our vulnerabilities will take us to a place we don't want to be. Fear of being seen as other, fear of being walked out of a restroom, fear of being looked upon as simply weak and even crazy. It takes a lot of guts to be who you are. It takes a lot of guts to be the person who God wants you to be. It is crazy to live your life as if God cared and no one else. It's vulnerable, it's hard, it's risky, and it is crazy. It is crazy to be the person you're supposed to be instead of the person other people want you to be. People of God, it can be crazy just trying to be ourselves. And yet some of us, we have to struggle with that every single day. Vulnerability is risky. Are we too scared ourselves? Do we fear fear? There's something else that is fearful. There's something else that's vulnerable. There's something else that's very crazy. And we find it in our stories, the scriptures. You may think it's just a regular Christian story. 
something that feeds you in your spiritual walk. But the resurrection story is actually pretty crazy. The resurrection story is actually pretty vulnerable. It's a story about a poor Middle Eastern Galilean peasant who becomes sick and tired of being told he and people like him were no better than the dirt they were walking on. It's the story of a peasant named Jesus who says sex workers and tax collectors are making it into the kingdom of heaven before any of the religious leaders are. That's crazy. It's the story of a person who's marginalized and whose life was supposed to end on the cross. But instead, the people of God, the followers of Jesus said, he isn't dead. Christ is risen. Christ is yet alive. And it's a crazy story, but it's our story and we are proud of it. A Christ that was so vulnerable, even in our text today in this resurrected state that we somehow glorify in pictures and paintings. The perfect Christ. And here's Jesus, the resurrected one. Thomas wanting to see the wounds, and Jesus is willing. Here are the scars. Here are the nail marks. I am not ashamed. Some of us have been through some things, and there are scars, physical, emotionally, mental, especially spiritually. Do not be ashamed of what you have gone through. Luckily, everything you have gone through, the wounds and the pain and the shame, they do not define us, but God who lives on the inside of us, it's that which defines us. Thank God that there is more, that there is more and more. Christ is so vulnerable, and that is very crazy. It's illogical. It's vulnerable. But whoever seems to be crazy or weak or vulnerable by society is always treasured by God. Be vulnerable and be a resurrection people. Thomas was vulnerable. He wanted to see Jesus, and he got his opportunity. The text says, despite the locked and closed doors again, Jesus still shows up. Peace be with you, he says to them, just like before. Peace be with you, he says to Thomas. Now, as much as I'm lifting Thomas up, there's also something he shows us that we all do. Thomas does what we tend to do. Imagine this. Jesus is right in front of you. Resurrected Christ. Glory right in front of you. And you could really care less. Because instead of focusing on Jesus, you're focusing on wounds and scars of the past that you think defined who he is. Luckily, 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 Jesus... It's not a shame, and so he just shows it. And yet still, people of God, there's a lesson in this. When Jesus is right in front of us, focus on Jesus and stop focusing on everything negative or anything that's going to bring you pain. Resurrection people, yes, we're willing to be vulnerable, but we also don't focus only on our wounds. In fact, we acknowledge them, and we focus on the overcoming of those wounds. There's something about us, though, that requires us to focus our attention on scars in people's lives. We have this strange fixation with pain, the pain people experience. When will we stop looking for the worst in others or ourselves? When we will stop defining people by something they've gone through in the past? When will we stop measuring one's life by the trials they've had to endure? It is difficult but vulnerability, Brene Brown says, is uncertainty, risky. It's risk and it's emotional exposure. 
You see, we're supposed to be a resurrection people focused on Jesus. And yet we spend quite a bit of time not focusing on things that lift us up, but on that which brings us down. Vulnerability doesn't mean you get to wallow in everything that you've had to go through. Vulnerability means that you acknowledge it and you get to see, just like the disciples saw, you get to see and experience resurrection anew, not just 2,000 years ago, but right here and right now. Some of you have experienced it. You were abandoned by your families and your friends. And then you come to places like this and out in the community and you pick your chosen family, people who love you and accept you for exactly who you are. And then you find self-esteem and you find love and you find family in the best and wholesome sense. There are people, that's resurrection, there are people who have battled addiction for many years. And every time they fall back, they get back up again. And they begin to break old thought patterns. And they begin to live lives of sobriety and long-lasting self-determination. That's resurrection. People with depression who learn to manage it and live out their lives with courage and with joy. Not ashamed of what they have, but not letting it stop them either. That's resurrection when people who have certain diagnoses or given a bad report from the medical office, and yet, no matter the reports, they still choose to live out their journey with grace, with love, and with the dignity they deserve. People time and time again experience the tombs and the fear and the risk, and they somehow find a way to see beyond it, to see resurrection hope. People of God, I hope you will have resurrection hope. I hope you will risk your life and say you don't have all the answers. I hope you'll show all your cards at the table. Be who you really are and take a risk, even if it means being uncomfortable. Be around people who are done with trying to survive and be around people who want to thrive. I want to be around people who risk joy and life for love. You should do that too. Locking yourself behind closed doors, we can come out of it. But even if it's difficult, the Christ, Jesus, and our story on today, no matter how difficult, no matter how bolted that lock is, Jesus still finds a way to come in and meet us. Peace be with you. Amen.
Good morning. My name is Gabe Elliott, and my partner is over there, Corey. We actually just celebrated 14 years last month. We've been coming here for a little over three years. It's been a really long time since I've had a church home, and it's really good to call Resurrection my home. So I was asked why I give my time to Resurrection MCC. We are ushers in the early service, and we also teach Sunday school and children's church. I grew up in a Southern Baptist home, uh, and I was very active in church. I taught Sunday school, I led praise and worship. I was even the president of my high school's Christian Student Union. After high school, I attended a Baptist college in Missouri. While in Missouri, I was attending a small non-denominational church and decided to put myself into reparative therapy. The men of the church would meet with me once a week in the small room. I'd be sitting down in the only chair, and the men, 10 to 15 men, would be surrounding me, speaking in tongues and yelling, asking the demons of homosexuality to flee my body. I would often cry once I even threw up, and they said that this was the evidence of demons leaving my body. They would also sometimes see visions or prophesy over me. There is one vision I still hold on to. He said he saw hundreds of homosexuals in chains before him, or before me, and the chains were breaking right before his eyes. I do agree our chains are breaking. I just see the vision slightly different. <laughs> it was around that time after finding out about an encounter I had had, they made me get back my bass guitar and said I could no longer serve in the praise and worship band. They said if any other mishaps happened, I would be excommunicated from that church, and that absolutely devastated me. Who are they to say that I could not praise God? Soon after that, I met Corey, and we were quickly inseparable. It sounds cheesy, but things just made sense with him. Even though I could not rectify it with my faith, being with him made sense in my being. He rescued me from that church. But because of that, I had a major distress in church. I knew that God was a God of love, but the churches I had associated with had not shown that. I wish I could say things were perfect after that, but I started to struggle with addiction. We ended up losing everything, well, all our material things. I struggled with depression and even contemplated suicide. We needed a fresh start. Corey's parents offered to help us move to Houston, Texas uh, around five years ago. I'm so grateful for the impact that, they had had, that they've had in my life. In fact, they come with us almost every Sunday. Their support has been crucial getting me off drugs, and I would not be where I am today without them. I went back to school, became a hairstylist. I love my job. The people I work with are also a huge support to me. Corey went back to school and is also changing his career. Life is good. Life can change. I volunteer because I know that. I volunteer here at RMCC because I know people can change. I love seeing kids growing up being comfortable being who they are. I volunteer because I see our chains breaking, our chains that bind us to other people's expectations of who we need to be. I volunteer because I know we have a future. Thank you.